Welcome to the Phantom Zone. In this week's episodes, first is Memoria. Lex tries to regain his erased memories at Summerhalt. When Clark goes to save him, he learns a new truth. Then, in Talisman, a magic knife is found that could reveal who Clark's true enemy is. This is the Smallville Chronicles. Hello and welcome back. I'm Lou Gonzalez. With me, as always, is Alan Muir. Man, this episode did a number on me. Yeah, this first one is pretty great. The second one is... Ugh. The second one is, like, very, like, tropey of these shows. But this first one is amazing. Especially, isn't this the first time we get to see Mama Luther? Uh, I believe it's the first and only time we see Lillian Luther. Oh, awesome. No, she definitely comes back. Because there's the It's a Wonderful Life episode. Oh, yeah. I think they recast, though. Okay, so it's a different actress? I believe so. Okay. So it's the only time we get to see this actress playing it, but we see at least somebody else playing it later on. So, which is kind of like a good place to start, which is, so in this first episode, we start off with a flashback. So this is, I think this is a reprisal by this actor playing younger Lex, right? So this is like tween Lex. He's probably like, he's like somewhere in the 10 to 13 range. I actually think this guy's really good, too. He plays the character great. So we get to see the actual incident that's been kind of talked about for the last like season and a half, which is Lex at Excelsior, which we'll see again, time and again, um, on the balcony in the rain, Lionel arrives and they're like, yeah, he's on the roof. We can't get him down. He's freaking out. And then Lionel goes out there and Lex is rocking a blanket like he did previously, trying to rock his baby asleep. And then when Lionel goes just to like, touch him, just like he did in Shattered. Exactly. And while Lionel goes to touch him, the blanket falls. And, like, Lex just freaks out and, like, is almost going to fall off the roof. And then Lionel actually, like, grabs him and is, like, holding him as he's, like, screaming Julian. It's an, it's an intense scene. I think it, like, um, the makeup they do on Glover's good here to young him up. And this kid plays it great. Like, he's, it's real serious. And, like, it's, it's done really well. So from here, we pop back to present day. Lex is at work. Or Lana goes to visit Lex and um, explain... He explains that uh, Clark explains to Lana that his dad's going to Metropolis for heart treatment. So he has some uh, extra farm duties, so he can't really do stuff. Lana asks um, about Lex's weird behavior around and Clark admits that he's, you know, found Lex rocking a blanket before thinking it was Julian. Because, like, I think something happens where, like, Lex has, like, weird flashbacks or something when she finds him. I think that's how, like, we pop back in here, right? Yeah. She, like, wakes him up when he's, like, in his office. And he, like, has, like, a weird, like, sweating flashback kind of thing. So Lana's, like, freaked out about it. And after her talk with Clark, um, Clark warns Lana to kind of stay away from Lex until this stuff kind of gets figured out. Because, because last he... time she got, she nearly got killed. Yes. Um, but he promises to go and check up with Lex. Obviously, Lex, when he meets up with him, is, like, defensive about the mental illness. And we see him arrive at Summerholt and telling Dr. Gardner about the nightmares and stuff that are affecting him while he's like awake and Gardner is saying basically like, this is part of the treatment like and it shows that the treatment is working but we can stop at any time and Lex says that basically I'm not going to stop until I find that missing time yeah those missing seven weeks and this is where we get a look at the the system I guess he's using the equipment which is basically the the tank from X-Men 1 but no, with no, like X- X-Men 2 oh X-Men 2 but with like food coloring in it <laughs> So it's like ecto green. Well, it's not. It's not food coloring the kryptonite. Oh, yes. 
But I mean, like, it, it, kryptonite, <laughs> kryptonite is a magic mineral. Yes, but it's it literally looks like ecto cooler, like high C. Yeah, it's like neon green. It's I do like the effect though because it's lit really great. So this time we go back to another flashback, and it's this one's like brutal. Yeah, I, I almost had to stop watching the episode because I want I want to kill myself. Yeah. So it's Alexis twelfth birthday. It's Alexis twelfth birthday, and no one's there. Like there's stuff everywhere. And basically, he's just like, no one Lex, comes. Or Lex says to Lionel, I told you no one would come. And Lionel tries to like make things better by saying you're jealous and that you're, you're, be- it's, you're better than them because you're a Luther. And he's just like, no, it's because I'm bald and I'm a freak. And then we actually get Lionel being a father. Yeah, and we get, and we get the lore behind the, bo- the lead box that Lex gave Clark in season one. Mm-hmm. Which is a really cool story about, like, St. George and slaying the lion, or, I mean, the saint slaying the dragon, and that he should put all his fears and doubts in there so that, like, all that would be left was his strength. But this is, like, it also is a great insight into the Lionel-Lex relationship as we see progress through this episode. So we pop out of here, and Lex wakes up. Session is over. Clark followed him there and uses x-ray vision to see the treatment going on. And then kind of stops Lex as he's leaving and is like, why are you doing this? You know, this guy's a maniac and he's like gotten people killed before. Yeah. And then we get the, my favorite part of the episode with when Clark goes to see Lionel. Oh yes. But yeah, but in the end, so they leave there and Lex is like, it's worth the risk to get that stuff back. And so Clark goes to Lionel to get him to shut down Summerholt and Lionel says he doesn't have the power. And Clark is like, well, I'm pretty sure you don't want Lex to regain the memory from that time. And Lionel says, well, I'm pretty sure you don't either, and shows him the video from Bell Reeve. Yeah, where Alexa's is saying, it's okay, I know your secret. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he, we go from... He put him in his place. Yeah. So, But we do go from here. Lionel goes to talk to Lex about the treatment and warn him about Dr. Gardner, and they are talking. We get another like, flashback. Like He has like a standing, like immediately pops into the past. And so we have Lex is like, in a closet or something, or like outside in the hallway looking through a door, seeing his parents argue. And this is kind of interesting because they don't talk about it, but it's very obviously that Lillian is having postpartum. Yeah. And they she... never use those words, though, because it's kind of before that was kind of really well known. Lionel's trying to get her to hold Julian, but she's refusing. And she says she wants a divorce. And she mentions that he that he doesn't And Lionel mentions he doesn't want her inflicting any like psychological trauma on their on their sons. And she says they get they get she doesn't have to they get enough of it from Lionel and how she he tears away at Lux's confidence every single time every single chance he gets and basically just says he's a terrible father yeah and she points out which we see would have happened in down the road is that he would pit the two boys against each other to see who would win like Lionel's affection and then we pop back for a moment into like real time and Lionel looking at Lex who's just muttering it's it was an accident. And Lionel's super confused, and then we pop back into the past um, sometime later in that room, in Julian's room, with Lex standing over the crib, and he's crying, and that Lionel comes in, and he says, Julian was crying, and I tried to rock him, and it was, an accident. It was an accident. And uh, and Lionel finds a dead kid. Yeah, a dead infant, and, like, shoves Lex to the ground, and basically is like, what did you do? He doesn't shove him to the ground, he hits Lex in the face. Yeah, he, like, he, uh, he cracks him. Um, and we pop back to present day where like Lionel is trying to revive, like trying to wake up Lex and he goes to call the doctor and then Lex pops out of him. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's, let's solve both the trucks. Yep. So, and basically kicks Lionel out. 
So from here, we go to the Kent farm, or Lionel goes to the Kent farm to tell Clark that basically both of them kind of doing it has actually made push Lex to do it even more. And the, so, and I, I like the way how Lionel enter, enter, enters. Like Clark is talk, and Martha are talking about how, like their strategy against Lionel, and right as they're about to say something revealing, Lionel walks in. And then when Martha walks away, Lionel tries to uh tries to see puts out a feeler, see if she wants to come back to Luther Court. Which I yeah, found this, funny. It, yeah, it it's that it's the flirting stuff that will eventually lead to stuff down the line. So from here we so everybody exits, Clark goes, he's pissed. Um Basically, the other thing is Lionel says that, like, if this, like, goes really bad, like, Lex will have to be permanently committed to Bell Rev. So, Clark's upset. He goes to Summerholt to stop Gardner, and the, the doctor confronts him, and it's like, you can't go in there, like, blah, blah, blah. And then they pull out the green liquid for the treatment room, and Clark is weakened. No, he, he what, or what happens is he's standing next to the ectocryptonite. Oh, yes, that's right. Clark gets all the way into the, like, back room. And he's talking to Dr. Garner, and he gets cracked over the back of the head. CTE. Yep. C- CTE City, yeah. And so, just like they always do, they, they hook up Clark and basically run the experiment on him. And while this is kind of going away, and they're cutting, uh, they take off Clark's jacket and belt and cut his shirt off, which is really creepy. Um, we get the call where it's revealed that Lionel set up Clark and basically gave traded him to Gardner for, like, not treating Lex anymore. And so... They put Clark in like this form-fitting underwear and strap him up to the thing. And they're preparing to lower Clark into the liquid. And Lionel's there. He shows up. Lex arrives for his treatment. And they're basically like, uh, Dr. Gardner canceled your session. And he goes like, no, that's not it. And then he calls Lionel and says that he remembers everything. Yeah, and he's bluffing. Mm -hmm. So basically knowing that Lionel's Lionel's probably there. Yeah, Lionel and Lionel says to Dr. Gardner, don't start, don't do anything until I come back. And he's like, and Dr. Garner's like, okay, we're not listening to him. We're, we're, we're doing this now. Yeah. He basically goes, yeah, totally Lionel. And once he's out of the room, he's like, no, shut, just go. So Lionel leaves and then Garner has him go down. And as soon as Clark touches the liquid, obviously it doesn't work right um, with him. So he starts having kind of like a seizure, I guess, like he's convulsing, which is really good body work by Welling. Like he's like thrashing about really well. And basically, Garner is like asking questions and tells him to what's his early. Like basically, asks him what's his earliest memory. And, and we, we see we only see uh, the the uh, arms, the arms of Jor-El and Lara. And but we did, hear their yeah. We Terrence Stamp does Jor-El's dialogue. Obviously, uh, did did Lara sound familiar? Yes. Who was it? Was it uh, Helen Slater already? No, uh, it was uh, Jonathan Kent's. It was the actress who played Jonathan Kent's mother in uh, the... Oh, in the flashback episode? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so basically we cut to the current day, and Clark is just, like, in the thing screaming Lara. And and he's, and he's like, who is Lara? Who is Lara? And everything starts to short out, and he's like... And Gardner's like, no, we're not stopping. I'm going to get this, damn it. Yeah, and everything gets, like, more intense and crazier. The alarms in the building start going off. And, we're, and that's and when, once the alarm start going, once the alarm start going off, we immediately go to Lionel and Lack talking, and then you just there's a, you hear an explosion. Come, they cut back to Clark. There's an explosion, and it had and this 
it's one since they're probably can't afford to do like a really big like explosive explosive effect. They had the the at sort of the ground zero or not the ground zero the main the entrance where Lux and Lionel are talking and then the whole room shakes. Oh yeah, they totally did like that old school Star Trekky thing where like they shook the camera and then some like little debris fell and then. It's okay, but like they saved it all for like the kind of better stuff, which is in the back room. So like Clark's seizure is getting so bad that Gardner actually like he like, falls off with some equipment and like gets hurt, right? Yeah. And so Lex barges in. He sees what's going on. He can't get like he can't figure out how to get Clark out. So then he just like picks up like a pipe and just cracks open the tank, having Clark spill out, which. That's like a pretty awesome stunt. And then he's just like holding like a shirtless Clark who's just like really messed up, like completely unconscious. Um, and then we cut to the well, last. Are you sure that happened? Are you sure if we were watching the same same thing? Because when I saw Lux, oh, like he broke the, broke the glass on one on on the side, and but Clark was still on the uh, the t- the the tray. Oh, I, I feel like I, I thought I remember him like washing out with it. Maybe I'm misremembering it. No, because you. Once the glass is shattered and everything spills out, and Clark is still on the like tables or not the table, the but th- is the table outside of the tank? It's sort of on the t- the way Clark is. He sort of ref- his arms are are ref- are um, restricted or bound mm-hmm. in the uh, tank, and once everything starts spilling out, he Clark says, "Lex, help me." Okay, I'm looking at it. I'm literally going to watch it right now. Okay, so yeah. Um, Lex shows up and the uh, the cage thing is like turned to the side. So Clark's actually just completely, his mouth is under the water. Lex takes an axe to it. That's what he shatters it with. Then he like kind of pokes his head through and is like yelling for Clark, who's like kind of like, ugh. Yeah, and he won't, he's trying to, trying to say, Lex, help me. But it's hard. He's having trouble with it because. Yeah, and then he just, just pans out from there. Yeah, Man, I don't know what I was thinking where, like, for some reason in my head, like, Lex is, like, cradling Clark. So I guess I made that, like, more epic for Lex. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know what I was talking about. Um, yeah, but so we pop back into where Lex is going to the loft to see Clark. Clark is pissed about the whole, like, Lex not listening to him. And he just, and basically Lex is like, you don't understand, like, you know, my father took my memories from me. I don't know anything. Like, how would you feel? And Clark's like, Kind of says, like, I kind of understand it, but I wouldn't sacrifice people I care about to, like, bring him, like, to bring down Lionel. And Clark does can't, he's like, why does Lionel, like, hate you so much? But Lex doesn't respond to that. I mean, we already know why we saw. Yes. So we saw that first thing, because he doesn't want to tell him. But then we click to another flashback, which is the young Lex walking into the room. Seeing, and, seeing, or seeing that his mother has, or seeing his mother hears him come in, and she backs up, or she gets her, takes her hands out of the crib, and she's holding Polo. Yeah, I wonder what that's for. Mm-hmm. And we find, and at first, when he tells Lionel, he doesn't believe him, and then, like, why would he, like, he said is it William, or his mother would never do anything like that, and Alexis says, or says that yeah. Lionel's there, parenting, he... she didn't want to back Julian until Lionel's kind of parenting, and that reason he took the fall was, he was Lionel's soul. Remaining only there, and if he didn't do anything, she would like quote lamb to the lamb to the slaughter. And Glover does such a good job of like his like him just like taking all of this in and basically being like, 
if, if I would have known this, everything between us would have been different. And Lex just kind of gives a, um, you go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, about that. Yeah. Well, he's probably like, yeah, but if you were like a good father, it shouldn't have changed anything. As we shouldn't have been as much because like he basically like disowned him without disowning him the entire time. So then we, which is an awesome scene, and then we pop to uh, an awesome Clark and Martha scene where um, Clark's in the loft. Martha comes up and basically she's like, you know, do you want to talk about what happened? And Clark is like, no. And she says that she'll be in the house. And then he just says, Laura. And he's like, that was that's my mother's name. And because of Jor- everything with Jorel, I thought my parents is, my parents are monsters, but she her face. Like she, her, her biggest fear was that no one would love him. And he he said he couldn't, he couldn't leave. He said like I have the quote here. He goes. But she wasn't. I just can't believe I forgot about her. And Martha's response is, you didn't, Clark. Your first word, Your first word was Laura. Yeah. yeah. And we could never figure out what it meant. Now we know. I, yeah. And then he responds with, I wish you could have met. I wish she could have met you so she could see what a great mom I have. And Martha goes, she knows, Clark. A mother's love never dies. But it's interesting. That, that's it's, such a great line. Yeah. But like, it is interesting that like this, because through the entire first three seasons to this point, the only thing that we've ever gotten is the Jonathan Cal, um, Jorel kind of thing. And Martha's never had to really deal with that until this point. So it is interesting. So that is where episode leaves us. This is like, a, I would have to give this episode like an A. I think it's one of the best episodes in the first three seasons, let alone maybe the series. It's one of the best scenes in the series. Yeah, there's like, there's so many really good scenes in this episode. Like both the, the Lionel and Lex one and the Martha and Clark one are great. Like, they're just, there's a lot that's awesome. Like, everybody's on their A-game. And the only big player that's not in this episode is Jonathan. It's also an episode where we don't get any of the friends. We get them next episode. <laughs> yeah, we get oh, Lana for, so... like, a hot second in the beginning yeah. as set up, and that's, like, it. Yeah, but, yeah. the reason that there's uh, John Shiner wasn't on, wasn't on any episode is because he was getting ready, to, he was prepping to direct the next episode. Oh, that's awesome. And even though it's not a great episode, uh, it's not a so it's a good transition. To the next, it's, it's hard to follow. Yeah, it's a tough act to follow. And there are good things in the next episode. It's just it's some real goofiness, and it introduces like some places that we will see more in the next season, or no, in like season five, I think. And it's just like a bunch of teases and stuff. And I really. I don't think we ever really visit the Mon stuff again after this. I feel like it's done, right? Like, I don't remember them doing stuff with uh, Willow Burke. Yeah. That all ends. I mean, post post the season, that's everything. Is The next arc is building towards the uh, fortress. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. So this next one, they kind of go through it. Like, we'll go through it. But, like, basically, it's Lionel in the caves. He has all the things. They find like an object like a pot um and so they call in who we've already seen which is uh Jero is uh can't remember which one is Joseph is the old guy right yeah okay so they call in Joseph and Willowbrook. Jeremiah Coltsaw as I call him <laughs> so they call in you know Joseph Willowbrook you know the Native American elder and his assistant Jeremiah who's working on school stuff to the Quachi Caves and basically, like, oh, this is like one of my he, grad students. He's working on some of the quads. He's he's sort of doing. He's actually unlike Clark. He's at his, he's at his. He's actually doing papers. He's actually doing papers on the quad caves. Yep. 
and based so on, he based on like a piece of uh, like a piece of dialogue in the episode mm-hmm. that's given and he is also the future leader of the kawachi like he is going to take joseph's place yeah so they get really excited when they see the thing the professor goes like oh it's a a pot used for cookware and it's covered in clay and jeremiah's like oh we should take it back to the museum to study it and Lionel's like no 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 yeah that thing stays here and then and jeremiah does his great like indian drill it belongs in a museum and then it ends with Jeremiah being like, okay, so you're not going to let us take a smash. And he, and there's a knife inside it. A glowing knife with Kryptonian symbols. So. Which Jeremiah picks up. He picks up and holds it, hands, like clenches it with both hands. Oh, he does like so much finger work in this episode where he like runs his fingers, like holding it like tight. It's a lot of finger work with this knife. And it glows and it's, it's, you can see that it basically imbues him with powers far beyond those of mortal men. Yep. And so, of course, Lionel's first reaction is, gimme, gimme. And he gets thrown. And then the guards, because they're like, oh, he touched our boss. Kill them. Yeah, and they, they go to fire on uh, Jeremiah. And, and Joseph's just, like, there. And then, like, he... I'm surprised they didn't hit Joseph. Yeah, I think Jeremiah's kind of, like, in front of him. But they're basically, like, the yeah. first thing is to kill. And they're like, we'll just cover it up. So, obviously, nothing happens. The bullets just bounce Joseph, off Joseph, of him. Jeremiah is, like, Jeremiah is doing the, uh, he's holding his arms up, trying to, like, shield himself. And Joseph is, like, right next to him. Yeah. I'm surprised they, uh, like, those, I mean, those guys have great accuracy. Yeah, it's like the opposite of a stormtrooper. So, but they have, the bolts do have no effect, and Jeremiah no, super... You say that, but my brother and I were literally having a heated discussion about like, a canon reason as to why stormtroopers aim, like, the pins were, were so bad. <laughs> I feel like somebody said somewhere that, like, wherever they get the weapons, like, makes them so that they fire really shitty, and that's their, like, help the rebels. No, it's actually, the weapons were, were manufactured, like, the manufacturer of the weapons were, they were active. Like on purpose or not on purpose? No, not. It was totally not not on purpose. It was not like totally messed up. Oh, that's like their cannon fix for their terrible aim. Well, that that was the stuff that was before the Disney purchase. So, like this was in an EU novel. Oh, okay. So they have pretty good aim in the new movies, though. But I guess they're like different people. And the clone troopers had good aim. It's like that middle group. Yeah, the stormtroopers, not the first order troopers, and not the clone troopers. So I'm gonna pop back into this episode. So. Clark goes to Professor Willowbrook shows up in Clark's loft and is like, hey, Naman. And Clark's like, dude, seriously, don't call me Naman. And the professor's like, oh, we found this blade. It's a Pollock. It's called the Star Blade. Clark's like, okay. And he's like, yeah. Um, whoever they like go inside. And Clark's like, tells his dad that the legend predicts that whoever holds the thing, it'll give them the powers to protect the people until the true Naman person comes. And Joseph's like, yeah, Jeremiah thinks that uh, he's Naman, so he's not going to give it back to you, Naman. And we're pretty sure that Lionel is the bad guy. And that if I think this is where they say that if he touches it, if the like the the enemy, the true enemy in Naman touches it, the blade will disintegrate. I think it's here. Maybe it's later on. But it's like just a lot of um, lore dump. Yeah, a lot of exposition. So then we pop into the torch. Chloe's there and Pete's like flipping out on the phone and she's like, hey, what's wrong? And you're he freaks wearing, out on her. Yeah, he's like, you're wearing the same clothes. Or she's like, you're wearing the same clothes from yesterday. And then yeah, he's he, just like... Yeah, he, she jokingly said, asked if he pulled an all-nighter and just forgot. Like, I forgot the change. Yeah, and then he basically just responds with, like, I need to, like, uh, I can't do my assignment and I'm out of here. And, like, storms off. So, obviously, like, the little, the continuing little drops of, like, Pete's going away. Then we pop back to Lionel. He's at the... The Smallville hospital that like, gets way too much work for a small town, Kansas. 
and he's getting his ribs taped up and Lex shows up and it's like, oh, what happened to the assailant? And it's like, oh, we could track him down. And Lionel's like, no, that's okay. I know who it is. I already got people on it. Uh, you don't need to be around this. Basically, because he doesn't trust Lex at all. And this is basically one of those times where, like, they're doing that annoying thing where they, like, pop into scenes for, like, three lines and then pop away. So from here, we go to Chloe is meeting Lana about the, and then they talk about the, that Lana got accepted to the Paris School of Arts that'll create the worst story ever, but that she got turned down for the financial aid, so she can't go. And Chloe's like, well, why don't you just ask Lex? And Lana's like, ah, I really kind of get too much from him already, and that's weird. And then later on, Lana's surprised that there's like a realtor showing off the town to potential buyers, and she goes to Lex, and Lex is like, we're setting up for a party, and it's like, she's like, what the hell's going on? She's really upset, and he's like, she's like, I don't want to be sold, my heart and soul into it. And he's just like, well, I didn't, like, have this place up because it's profitable. I did it because you're my friend, and it's, like, important to you. But, like, if you want to go to Paris, you can always just sell it and take the money. Yeah, which, is like, like, which is like being a good, a good guy. Yeah, he's just kind of like, if you're not able to let go of this thing, then you're not ready to go do this. But if you're able to do this, then you're truly, like, kind of starting over. And Lana's kind of like, ooh, like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, do you have any second thoughts about leaving? And she says, no, but obviously it's a lie. So then um, we pop over to CKU, which will become a thing starting in season five. I think actually starting in season four, right? Yeah, next next season it becomes a thing towards the end when the Clark starts to get recruited for the football team for, um, what is that, Metropolis University. But we also go to, I can't remember what CKU stands for. It's like... Because it's not, is it the, is it supposed to be the um, community college or just like a different, like a state school, right? Like a different school, but it's not. Uh, It's, if I'm not mistaken, it is. It's like Central Kansas. Central, yeah, Central A&M Kansas University. Okay. Is that like totally made up for the, I'm guessing it's totally made up for the show. Because there's Uh, no, there's no way that that, not that there isn't like a central, I'm sure there's a. Let's see, because I doubt that they would be able to pull that off because a college would want so much money. Yeah, it's not a real school. Uh, or is it? Yeah, so they go to the thing and they're in, I'm going to mix up the, Jeremiah's office and it's coming completely torn apart. Lex is there and Clark is like, did you do this? And he's like, well, Lex is like, well, why are you here? I'm working on a term paper and uh, Jeremiah was helping me out totally. Lex yeah, is like, I'm, I'm totally not mess- making this whole thing up. Yeah, and Lex is like, yeah, okay, well, you know, I didn't do this. And uh, did you know, like, what happened at, like, at the, the Kawachi Caves last night? And he's just basically like, no, like, I heard some stuff from, uh, what's the other guy's name? Professor uh, Willowbrook. And then Clark goes and, like, plays with the blinds for some reason, and it's, like, all the symbols. I was like, oh, they go across the whole wall. That's interesting. And then we cut to Lionel's on the campus, and he's trying to bribe Willowbrook with a grant. Like, if you bring me the blade. Oh, this is where we learned that, like, oh, if Sagi touches it, it'll crumble. And they run into Clark, and Lionel kind of, like, walks away. And Willowbrook's like, hey, Naman, like, you know, that guy's, like, bad for you. And, you know, we found, Clark's like, oh, we found these symbols. And he's like, oh, he was doing his research on these, like, special burial grounds where they perform death rituals, because he's probably trying to go kill who he thinks is Sagith. Clark's so like, who does he think he's Sagith? And they both just kind of turn and look like, oh, it's obviously Lionel. So 
<laughs> this is like this is like so ridiculous. So they go into the like with Joseph Carr, trying to talk to him, and they tell him to give the blade to Carr because he's the real Naman. Jeremiah's like, "What? This white guy? Why are you come calling him Naman? I'm Naman." Yeah, and he's Clark, a false prophet. Yeah, Clark tries to use the heat vision. And Jeremiah's like, uh, "Okay, that didn't do nothing." And but I'm gonna heat laser your car because I said so. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he like runs away, and they're like, "Ah, damn." <laughs> professor Will looks like I'll be like, "Man, I am only a professor. Like, how am I supposed to get another car?" So they cut to the farm and Clark's talking to his parents. He's like, I don't know if I can or I should stop him from killing Lionel because maybe he is Sigi. Like, should we warn him? And Jonathan's like, uh, why don't you just find the weapon first? And if you get there too late, meh. And then and- like, maybe Jeremiah, he maybe he's got a mess for those uh, kryptonite rocks. Yep. And Clark's like, oh, that's a good idea. So, <laughs> of course, Clark goes to the barn because that's where they keep them. And Lionel's there. And he basically like uh, tells Clark that I think the blade is made the same thing out of, as the key, so I'm gonna melt that thing. I'm gonna make another key. And you know he's like, oh, next time you sit, you see Professor Wilbur tell him that I can go from an ally to a formidable adversary real quick. And, and Clark uh, recognizes it as the prophecy of Sigi, a friend who becomes the an enemy. So yeah, he kicks Lionel out of the barn, and he's going to he goes to Wilbur saying he thinks that. Well, they come up with Jeremiah. this, like, yeah, they come up with a plan, I think, because they basically he tells Willowbrook to tell Jeremiah that he thinks that he, for Jer- for Willowbrook to tell Jeremiah that he thinks that Willowbrook himself thinks that Jeremiah is the real Naman, and that then we'll like tell him to meet him at the barn so we could take out the fake Naman, but then we'll jump him. <laughs> I think that's basically the gist of their plan. You know, it's like, oh, and then you know, Jeremiah obviously shows up. Cook's like, ooh, meteor rock. And then Jeremiah, like, picks it up. Is like, what the hell is this? And throws it over his shoulder, <laughs> which I felt was, like, really hilarious. Like, Clark's like, when Clark sees him pick it up, he's just like, oh, ah, God shit. damn it. <laughs> and he goes to super speed to take the knife out of his hand. And Jeremiah's like, seriously? And could stab you right in the gut. So, like, yeah, Clark gets stabbed, like, in the kind of, I don't know, like, not quite the gut, like, a little bit. In the abdomen. Yeah. Right below Uh, the sternum. mm -hmm. So, Clark, like, like, is, like, bleeding out, and Jeremiah leaves. And basically, Jeremiah's like, I'm going to go kill Lionel now. So, Clark is able to, like, fall his way into the house and tries to call his parents and then blacks out. And we cut to that Pete story again, because, of course... And Chloe finds Pete at the torch again. He's basically sleeping there. And Chloe's like, is this because your mom is thinking of taking that federal judgeship in Wichita? And, and Pete's like, he just, he breaks out. So like, shut up, Chloe. You're such a dick. And Chloe mentions, well, no, well, is it at this point? I mean, no, no. I think it's at this point when he's like, oh, no, I get why Clark is always pissed that you're like getting into his business. Yeah, because you're like, you're free. She says, "I'm your friend, not some random, not some random reporter." And he's like, "No, that's very wrong. You're actually, you're really both." Yeah, he kind of he like he's like, "Yeah, you're both," like, which makes it even worse because you can't even stop yourself, even though you know that you are a friend. So we get back to the house. Martha and Jonathan arrive, and they're like, "Oh my god, Clark is like gonna die!" And Jonathan starts putting pressure on the wounds. And then, and then Martha slides. <laughs> like on... she almost like busts her ass like in the blood. Yeah, and she just like, oh my god! Yeah, and then when Jonathan puts his hands over him, like, we get magic light, and Clark's wound is healed. And basically, they're like, oh, it's the power of Jarrell that's still kind of, like, inside of you, Jonathan, um, that was able to heal Clark. 
but yeah, but like I do like the shot of like Martha's trying to go and like get towels, and she. I'm guessing it like was it it was not on purpose that she almost fell because she definitely like almost falls. Yeah. So Clark is fine, um, and they're basically like Clark wakes up the next morning. He's totally healed. Marla's like, you can't go and do anything. Like he doesn't even have your weaknesses. You don't know what's going on. Clark's like, well, if I don't do anything, he's gonna kill Lionel, and like I'm the only one that can stop him. And so Clark goes to the barrier ground, he finds him, and then we have our first kind of real, is, is this our first, like, super fight in the series? Like, between, like, two kind of Kryptonians? Yeah, I believe so. I guess you could count, like, the Jonathan and him, but, like, they only kind of punch each other. This week at, like, full super speed and flying, like, pseudo flying and stuff. Like, this is, like, a full, like, knockdown drag out compared to the the Jonathan and Clark one is kind of more like a... I'm trying to think of how to like describe. It's more of like a street fight when this is more like superhero fight. So they're fighting each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Lex shows up to save Lionel. Clark somehow gets knocks the knife away, which goes flying, and then drops like a sword in the stone into a rock. Jeremiah collapses and is in a coma because that's the only way to get rid of these characters who have seen Clark powers. Lionel and Lex both go to grab the knife at the same time. It glows, and they touch at the same time, and it disappears. It completely uh, dissolves or breaks apart. It basically disintegrates. Yeah. And then Clark sees this happen. So Clark's talking to his parents later on, and it's like, well, it came true. And he's just like, but I don't know which one touched it first. And it could easily be both of them, because they both fit the description. And obviously, as fans of Superman, you would know that Lex... But I do but like the kind of based, tease. Based on the photo I'm looking on the Smallville wiki, they're both, they don't actually touch it. They, they're they like, sort of like hovering over it. Yeah, I think that like the, their, like the instant, hand. like there's like skin contact, it immediately disintegrates. So like if even like, so it's not even like grabbing it. It's just like skin touches the metal and it just dissipates, which is interesting how that would even work. Like, how would that even be designed? Is it, like, DNA-based? I don't know. Like, it's just, like, TV magic stuff, but... So, Clark basically starts telling him about the legend, and that it came true in some form or way, and he's like, I don't know what the deal is. And he doesn't know if Lex or Lionel grabbed the knife first. Mm-hmm. I do like what Jonathan says. He's like, it doesn't matter what Jor-El or Willowbrook or anybody else says, like... Yeah, you're... You don't have a destiny. Your destiny is whatever, like, you make it. No one can decide it for you. And then we return to the Lana story, and basically Lana's like, you know, we got an offer um, for the place, and yeah, well, she'll sell it. And so she's going to go to Paris. Um, yeah, and, uh, and the, Chloe and, and her dad offered to buy it, keep mm-hmm. it as, as is, and... Even let her work there again. And she turned him down, saying she doesn't want any, tie, any like, any, connect, like, not connections, um... She didn't want anything to like hold that could hold her back. Yeah. From like kind of like cutting ties. So, which is actually interesting, but then it's still there forever. For the rest of the series. Yeah. Because I know Martha takes it over at some point. And I don't remember. I guess Lexus never sells it. I don't know. It really, they just never address that ever again. Because basically the apartment upstairs becomes like a thing for forever. Yeah, it becomes a thing for porting characters. Anybody who needs, like, a place to crash. Even though there's a body in the wall that we'll find in the future. Oh my god, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> so, and next we pop back over to the Pete-Chloe story. And Pete's sleeping in the office. And Chloe's like, oh, he just doesn't want to go home. And then he finally is like, yeah, my mom is going to accept the position. And my parents are totally getting divorced. 
And she's just like, oh, shit. I kind of understand that. Like, understand to a degree, because, like, my parents are together. It yeah, sucks. She, said, she says that she, like, her, the place she went was the garage because she didn't have a license at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an, it's a real, it's a good moment in the show, like humanizing both characters, which is funny because one of them is like, has like two episodes left or one episode left. And so our final thing is Lex goes to the loft and he's like, well, what if Naman is real? He could like, and this is actually really, I, I actually really, really like this scene because basically Lex gives like an amazing breakdown of the situation, which is my favorite, my favorite version of Lex. It's like, well, maybe everybody's thinking about like the prophecy wrong. Like, okay, so there's this being from another world. Uh, and Macy's like, oh, I have a different interpretation. Goes like, yeah, I'll hear it. He's like, so there's the Mon guy. He comes from the stars. He has the power of ten men and shoots fire from his eyes. Right? Goes like, well, it's just an allegory. Lex. And Lex is like, I know, but if a person could do all that, he'd be a formidable enemy. He could conquer the world. He could become a tyrant, and if no one kept him in check. So I've been thinking, anybody who'd willing to fight him would have to be pretty brave. Clark, did it ever occur to you that maybe? The hero of the story is Sagith. And Clark kind of is like taken aback of like, oh, oh, that is kind of a good point. Which is why like that's the kind of idea of Lex that I always like where he's it's more so about like the idea of like protecting. He, like he wants to be the best of humanity, like the kind of not necessarily anti-hero, but like that's kind of the in the craziness that is Lex. That is like his rationalization for everything. So I do think there are parts of this episode that are really good, but then there's a lot that it's really not. So I definitely give this one like a B minus. I don't know about you. So if you notice, remember the scene where Lana goes to the mansion and they're prepping stuff? Mm-hmm. That was actually for Clark's uh, surprise birthday party. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, he misses it because he got sick because he was stabbed. There, it's, it's a deleted scene. Oh, so the party happens, but this is like it's when he was stabbed? From the, him passing out to... Martha and Jonathan returning home, and it, the reason why they're, they're calling for him is because he didn't show up. Interesting. That like I can see why they would cut that out because it's like, why does it matter if it's Clark's birthday? It's his seventeenth birthday. Yeah, I don't know. Like I can see why they could get cut out. I didn't even notice it, so like it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it could be assumed that Lex was having something done, mm-hmm. or he was throwing a little shindig. Yeah, because he would be doing that. Um, is there, would you, what would you give this episode as a grade? Uh, B. Yeah. I think the biggest problem is this episode, and the guy that plays Jeremiah isn't horrible. I just think it's like. A little cringy. Yeah. It's just like, it's a lot going on and it's a bouncing around and there's like two subplots going on that are kind of interesting and foreshadowing. Like they're kind of like big setup for like big things in the series. Because Pete leaving is a big thing for this series. He's our first like major character to depart. And then setting up like the whole Lana leaving thing for next season is a big deal. So they kind of like handle that like not great. Although the scenes with Chloe and Pete are actually pretty good. So yeah, it's it's okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add about these two episodes? Um Well Memoria is more memorable than this episode. Oh, it's amazing. It is definitely a great episode, and that kid is a really good actor, and I hope he got a lot of work. I'm guessing not, because I don't know who he is. Yeah. But we have our next episode is the last two episodes of season three, and that is we will be watching Forsaken and Covenant, which Forsaken is our final episode with Pete Ross. Um, Well, he appears again, but it's our final one of him as a regular. 
and a return of a previous uh, meteor freak. And then Covenant is our last episode of the season in which we encounter a woman who has been in our two specials and was like a pilot killer for a while. And that is Adrian Pilecki. I think this is the thing she did first, correct? This was before Aquaman? Yeah. Yeah, so she's like really little. Well, she's really young here. But yeah, she went on from this to do Aquaman, to do the Wonder Woman pilot, to do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then a so, failed spinoff pilot of that. So I figured I found out what uh, Wayne D- Dalglish went on to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked on, he he, did, he actually, I mean, he, he his last acting credit was in 2017. Or he mainly did minor roles. His last big role was on that Disney XD show, Kicking It. Okay. But that was about five, like seven. It was a while ago. Five, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But he's actually gone into like stunt work. Oh. So he actually, ironically, he worked on a lot of the DC stuff. Oh, interesting. So he did stunt. He did stunt work for Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Wonder Woman. Oh, that's also, kind of cool. Yeah, he also worked on, uh. Deadpool, Justice League, Deadpool 2, Tag. So he must be, I'm trying to think, like, he must be, like, somebody's, like, stunt double, like, in Justice League, that, like, who's been in all those movies? Like, in all the DCEU movies that he could have. I don't know. Or he, there were people, or he just has, like, a really good connection at Warner Brothers. That's really interesting. And um, I think that wraps us up for this episode, but don't forget to check out our other podcasts. So, every Thursday... Oh shit, he's jacked. Yeah. Um man, he actually looks super familiar like as an adult. Um so don't forget to check out all our other podcasts. So every Thursday on here we have and now comics. We talk about comic books and all sorts of stuff in geekdom. And every Thursday or every other Thursday we also have Legion of Tunes over at the Los Horro Network, um, where we watch everything animated. So we should have a new episode coming out this week. And you also have at Los Haro, Los Haro Games. And you guys just did a new episode, correct? Yeah, we recorded uh, a two-man episode last night. You were supposed to be on, but you, you unfortunately you couldn't appear. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was sleepy. <laughs> it's I made the mistake of taking my meds at like right before Emmett hopped on. So so it was only like a two hours, a little over two hours. And I'm like, dude, I can't talk about this shit. I, I need to go to sleep. Uh, but we did talk about Jedi Fallen Order. Uh the PS5 details. And we also talked about the Walking Dead Telltale Definitive series and how it could or how it may or may not be a scam because it's coming out or it's coming out in September and the deadline to or the cutoff date for pre orders is May 31st. It should be coming out. By the time it should be out by the time this comes out so awesome all right so uh don't forget to check out all that and leave uh leave a review five stars um and don't forget to subscribe and tell other people and for the next episode we will have figured out hopefully what our special will be we'll check you guys next time i'm luke gonzalez i'm alan Muir, and this podcast stands for truth justice and the american way 